Hello, Hope. How are you? Let me say this. I, I've been dying to say this. God is good. All the time. All the time. We want to declare that God is good. God is good all the time. Let's come once again in prayer. Father, we just come right now in the beautiful, glorious, powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come today, God, day we set aside to worship you, to look to you, God. We come that we may see your face, hear your voice, and lift up your name and give you glory, God. So we come. Today we ask not only for a word, a great powerful word, but we also ask uh, your nearness in your presence. You'll meet with us. You'll speak to us personally. Touch us, God. Guide us. Lead us into your own hands, God. We love you. Commit this time to you, God. Use me and use your, your word to come forth powerfully, God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. In midst of stress and difficult times, in a long period of stress, often it brings out worse in us. In us. And, uh, and most of you, like me, probably were shocked and got angry and frustrated and felt injustice when you hear the name Ahmad Aubrey and George Floyd. I know our nation is rocked with the violence and injustice and turned to anger and that became violence and social unrest everywhere. We just come, realize. And as uh, uh, Pastor Rick Rowan of Saddleback Church said, racism is a problem of sin, not of skin. You see, in this time, as we in the midst of our stress, difficult times, yes, our worst of us comes out. But more than that, it reveals the broken world that we are living in and the broken people that we are. We are all dead in sins and in trespasses. We are all children of wrath, just like everyone else. In Psalm 31, 10, and 12 says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, and not even one. The, the feeling that I had, sense that I had more than anything else, more than the anger and all those was grief. I felt like there was a, I sort of understand a little bit of God's grief. When the Word of God says in Genesis 6, how when God saw the evil violence in the world, when everything was violent, it says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he made man. Genesis 1, 6, 80 says, He made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. There's a grief because of sin and violence in this world, yet we are all part of this. Today we celebrate, as people of God, uh, um, Pentecost Sunday, where God's promise, God's good news that came to us, 
the goodness of our God is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God, goodness is that God came and died on the cross to forgive all of our sins. And from the penalty of sins and forgive us our sins. That's not, that's not all. The goodness is that through Jesus Christ, God the Father has promised to something amazing. In Ezekiel 26, 26 to 27, he says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You see, it's not only forgiveness of our sins. From the penalty of sins. But also the power to live. What is holy and right. Be able to live and be the truly sons and daughters of God. Pentecost Sunday we celebrate. Coming of the Holy Spirit of God. On the basis of Christ, our Lord, Jesus Christ is done on the cross. Today, God's word for us today is titled, Living Spirit Filled. Holy Spirit came upon the people who trusted in God on the Pentecost Sunday. And the promises for all the people who trust in God. And in each and every single person who trusts in Christ Jesus as Lord, Holy Spirit lives in them. And the, whole, and the word of God says that in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, 18 to 21, which is our text, that we need to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The title is Living Spirit-Filled. Let me read the passage. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21. I'm reading from NASB version. And do, and do not get drunk with wine, for there is dissipation but be filled with the Spirit. And speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Let me just uh, put this passage in a context so we can have a better understanding of this passage a little bit. I want to do a little bit of study on the Word of God. All right? Let me, uh, I'm going to go right here. Uh, and chapter 5, um, verse 7 through 15, the passage right before uh, 18 through 21, it says, Therefore be careful how you walk, be careful how you live, not as unwise person, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Apostle Paul tells the, the church in Ephesus that because you know you are saved by the grace of God, because you are chosen and called by God and saved by the grace of God. 
And now because now you're being built together as a dwelling of God, the temple of God in the spirit. Chapter 4 and on, Apostle Paul says, live as the children of God. Walk in manner worthy of the gospel. Chapter 5 continues the thought saying, live wisely, understanding the time that we are living in. So here in today's text, we go to chapter 5, verse 18. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. Apostle Paul says, as children of God, live filled with the Spirit of God. Live your life filled with the Spirit of God. But he begins by saying, and do not get drunk with wine. In an NLT version, it says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I like this version, amplified loud version. Do not get drunk with wine for that is wickedness, corruption, or stupidity. But be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. You see, other translation, International Standard Version says, stop getting drunk with wine, which leads to wild living, but keep on being filled with the Spirit. First, it talks about to not live under control. I'm, I used this illusion before. I love this thing. The living under the influence. Living under the influence. You know what DUI is. Driving under influence. Apostle Paul says, as he says, be filled with the, be filled with the Spirit. He compares it to a person being drunk. Being under influence of substance. Where often, you know, when people drink a lot, they end up doing things they would not normally do under the influence. And the question is, what influence are you living by? There's a quote that I love. If the Spirit of God, Spirit, God is not controlling us, something else will be. What is controlling your life? What is controlling, influencing your thoughts, the way you live? So the phrase full of the Holy Spirit describes a person who habitually lives with every area of one's life under the control of the Spirit. Not a self-willed person, but a Spirit-controlled person. The issue is being under the control, being led by the Spirit of God who is living within us. The question is, what is influencing your life? What are you filled with? What is controlling you? How is your life controlled by what is controlling your life? Is it your selfish ambition, desires? Is it, is it, is it substance? Whatever my, what, what is it? What is influencing you? Apostle, person, no, none of those, but only the Spirit of God. God should be influencing you and controlling you. And then goes and then let me go on to that next phrase of this verse. But instead, continuously be filled with the Spirit. It's not just once and for all, but continue being filled with the Spirit of God. You see, it's not just once and for all event, but 
continuous living in the Holy Spirit. Often, uh, churches and uh, Christians in charismatic tradition sees being filled with the Holy Spirit as some kind of experience, an event. But when Paul is really saying is, yes, those are true, those are valuable times, but, but more than that, that, we need to be living continuously under the leadership, control of the Holy Spirit of God. And you'll find many examples in the Bible where apostles were filled with the Spirit many, many times. Let me just quickly mention a few. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, all the apostles plus 120 Christians, 120 who were gathered were filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and, 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 and as the Holy Spirit was leading them. That day the church was birthed. And a few, little down the line in chapter 4, verse 30, you find church being persecuted under persecution. They were praying together. And it says, chapter 4, verse 31, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. See, they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. It was not once and for all, but it's many, many times. Let me just make one, mention one more. In Antioch Church, in Acts chapter 13, it says, the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The, the really command is, continuously live and being filled with the Spirit of God. I want to encourage you today. I want to ask you, are you living Holy Spirit-filled life? Let me continue in the passage. And that passage, chapter 5, verse 19 to 21, Apostle then begins to say what Spirit-filled living look like. The result and the evidence of the Spirit-filled living. Look at what it says. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Making melody from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. See, it is spirit-filled living. I know many of us in our church have seen and experienced Holy Spirit many different times. When you have some encounters, some where, uh, times when we experience the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, we experience powerful things. But if you look at this, spirit-filled living, the result of uh, and the and manifest of the living, apostle does not use some special things, but he speaks of daily living. First, he says, speaking to one another. He says four things, four evidences of spirit for living. Speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There is speaking what is in your heart coming out, and what is in your heart, the word of God coming out, and speaking, edifying one another, encouraging one another. This is really what we see as prophetic. And prophetic really is encouraging, edifying one another by God's guidance. Speaking to one another. Look at what it says. Second thing it says. Singing and making melody from your heart to the Lord. One of the evidences of spirit-filled living is joyful praise unto God. Rejoicing before God. Singing and making melody from our heart to the Lord God. 
from the heart. And there's a joyful singing before God. Third thing he mentions is always giving thanks. Thankful living in all things. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To God, even the Father. Look at what it says. Does, doesn't this passage remind you of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6 through 18? It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Doesn't that sound like this verse we just read? Making melody from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks. Speaking to one another in Psalms in the spiritual songs. This is the evidence of the product, result of life lived, living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then fourth thing, I love this thing. Probably I love this more than anything else. And being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. One of the evidence that life of living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit is we become more like Christ, our Lord Jesus. We have his heart. Our Lord, our God says, My, I'm a gent- I, I, I am humble and gentle of heart. Our Lord is humble. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this Added in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. What, what is that heart? What is that attitude? What is the heart that was in Christ? And the next passage, which, which, I, which I will not quote, says how God, Christ being God, he emptied himself, humbled himself, and, and to the point of obeyed the Father, point of death on the cross. He died for the sake of all of us. He humbled himself. Considers us important, valuable, and die on our behalf. So God says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, Therefore God highly exalted him. This is the heart of Christ. And you know, when, when I look at what's happening in our, in our nation, especially this week, we are reminded the brokenness of our, our, our nation, our people. The injustice, the racism, that the ugly head that came out and and, and un, un, unalterated evil, I would say. Where we are angry or not, because some of we think I'm better, we, are somebody, we think we are better than somebody else, and look down on people, we do not regard their interests at all. We were selfish and, and, and brokenness. This is the world we are living in, this broken world we are living in. But spirit living in the light, under the control of the Holy Spirit of God, Begin to change our hearts. We live a life. We live a life with the heart that Christ has. We live in humility, humbleness. We consider others more important than ourselves because that's the heart of Christ. We we regard the interests of others, not only mine, but we even serve others. This is the heart of Christ. This is spirit spirit-filled living. The question is, how is your heart attitudes? Are you living with God's heart and attitudes? I know we've been locked away in our homes for almost two and a half month, a month, and we've been isolated for a while. We couldn't meet together as a 
body of Christ, but we are worshiping in our homes? Let me ask you, are you living under the control, influence of the Holy Spirit of God? How is your heart doing? What is your attitude like? Are you joyful? Are you giving thanks? Are you, are we, are we humbling ourselves and serving others? Are we encouraging one another with the word of God? That is Holy Spirit filled living. I want to ask you, how are you doing? The word of God says, Holy Spirit who is living in you is working in you, both to will, to work for God's pleasure. Am I, are we living under the control and surrendered life in the Holy Spirit of God? God is calling us. And you know, it doesn't stop there. I need to mention quickly a few more things here. And it says, uh, and, and, continue, and the passage continues on, spirit-filled living transforms relationships. And next, for, next passage, chapter, the passage is chapter 5, verse 22 to chapter 6, verse 9. Apostle gives three examples of relationships being, being transformed by the Holy Spirit living within us. Talks about, first of all, wives and husbands. Wives submitting to one of husbands and husbands loving their wife sacrificially, even willing to lay down everything. And, talk, and goes on to talk about how children in the family, children and parents, there is a Christ-like relationship, children obeying their parents in the Lord. And the parents, fathers, you know, raising the children up in discipline and, and, and instruction of the Lord. Then he talks about and goes on to explain how the Spirit of God living in us ought to will change our relationship, our behaviors in our workplaces, slaves being obedient to the masters according to flesh. Not just serving like a, by eyesight or as man pleases, but as one who belongs to Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And it also says, you know, even the um, masters do the same thing. And do not threaten them, knowing that the both, the master and yours is in heaven. He has no partiality with him. Calls us, reminds us, and tells us that the Holy Spirit for living transform our relationship. Are you living righteously, right in relationships? Does your life show God in you? You see, Holy Spirit for living is life lived, led, being led by the Spirit of God. If you use the analogy of driving, who is driving your car? Who is the driver in your car? And, 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 and let the Spirit of God, God lead you and guide you. Let him, let him be the one who leads you and guides you. Not you take over your own uh, and will. Uh, Wheels and making mess out of all things. Listen and listen and obey and live in communion with the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit living is about being sur- life surrendered to God. I want to uh, just couple, say a couple of things uh, that I have do not that I do not make a PowerPoint for. But then question is the really issue is how do I Continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
if God wants me to live continuously in feeling filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and this produces this kind of life in me and evidence of God living in me, then how do I do that? You know, often we stumble, we struggle, and we do not, we know we do not surrender to our God. We often sin, we quench, and we uh, grieve the Spirit of God. We do that. Like a leaky bucket where uh, you put water in his old leaks, uh, we are empty. Are we living empty? How do we get, how do we continuously live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Let me say four things. I want to say four things. Um, and let me mention four verse passages to you. Um, first of all, repent. First is repent. Knowing the brokenness I am and knowing that I, you know, as you, as we realize, I am not joyful, I'm not living in fullness of God. When I realize I'm, I am out of an alignment with God, I realize I repent and turn to God. In Psalm 51, verse 10 to 12, talks about when, when King David sinned before God, he says, Creating me a clean heart, he repents before God. I ask God, he asks God to forgive him, cleanse him. He says, creating me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And he asks, renew the joy of your salvation in me. We come when we are not living in the fullness of the Spirit of God. We realize our life is not right and broken. We come. Say, God, I am broken. I repent and acknowledge my brokenness. I acknowledge my emptiness. Second thing that we do is, as you come, God, and we come and say, God, I want more of you. I need you. We confess our need of God. Maybe I use the word thirst. Thirst for God. Psalm 42, 10. As a deer panthers for the water brooks, so does my soul pants for you. Thirst. God, I want more of you. I need more of you. I need more of you. God, you see the brokenness within me. I need more of you, Holy Spirit. Third, we do is ask. We surrender and we ask. First John chapter 5, verse 14 says, If we ask God according to his will, we know that he answers our prayers. We answer, he answers our prayers. And Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 13, I want to read that passage. It talks about how um, Jesus tells, teaching about the prayer, he says, Luke 11, 11. It says, Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It says, when we ask, when you come and ask, we acknowledge our brokenness, we empty ourselves or, and repent and empty ourselves of our sinful th- sin in us, and we as we desire more of God and we ask, we surrender God and say, God, we need you. I need you. Fill me. I need more of you. And, and, and I obey. I surrender to you, God. 
And I, I ask that you will be, once again, Lord of every part of my life. I surrender every part of my life to you, O oh God. Come, fill me, God. Lead me, God. And you ask, by believe, ask with believing and receive by faith. You follow him, surrender him. He will fill us again. He will overwhelm us with his grace. He will lead us in his ways. Come. Therefore it says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21, but be filled with the Spirit. Continue being filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make a melody from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Father. And being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Are you living in the fullness of God? You see, you don't have to come to church and gather as a church and people of God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And wherever you are in your place, in your home, wherever you are, when you come to God humbly and we repent, God, and acknowledge, God, I need you, and ask God to come and fill us once again, we surrender to him. He will fill us, strengthen us once again. In his presence, God will make us more and more like him. We will walk in his ways. We will be singing and praising, rejoicing in God. We will walk in his ways. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, he says. You want to take time to, uh, uh, to sing a praise as a time of response to the word of God. And afterward, I'll pray and I'll give benediction. We'll end the service.